трибуна халеют знамена, Облака под небесни плывут. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Russian Football News Podcast. Sorry it's been such a long delay, there have been various circumstances behind that, but we're happy to be back and presenting the Russian Football Podcast with you. Join, joining me, I should say, as per usual, are Andrew Flint. Hey, Thomas, how are you doing, man? I'm okay, thank you. And of course, we have the website editor, Toka Thiele. Hey, Thomas, I'm glad to be back. Good stuff. Now, um, the transfer window ended very recently because obviously the Russian transfer window ends at the end of February as opposed to the European one, which ends at the end of January. So we're going to basically dissect the transfer window for a large part of this podcast. So we hope you like transfers and things like that because, I don't know, otherwise you'll have to wait a while before we discuss the rest of the league. But Andrew, as you presented the um, the transfer deadline day on the, the, the coverage on the Russian Football News website, was there... What what really stood out for you? Perhaps not just on deadline day, but the whole window. Well, there was so much activity as there usually is in in Russia, and we you know we're well used to that in the winter window because there's more time for the clubs to do business, right? But um, obviously, it's hard to know where to start. I think um, at the negative end of the scale, the the worst story was Tom Tomsk, where they've lost virtually their entire senior squad um, and about nine or ten of the youth team have been uh, promoted in their place. And according to Transfermarkt, they only have 17 players, including those former youth players, um, to actually uh, appear on the pitch at all. Um, now, I mean, it's... I hope they I hope they survive as a club because I would be concerned about them. Um, but... I mean, Angie, at the other end of the scale, was it turned out 25 signings they made in total, including nine on the last day. Um, their new ownership coming in and just wiping out the squad, replacing them completely. I mean, even even fans who don't follow Russian football but follow European football over the last few years, at least, will know what a mad club Angie Magdalene is. It wasn't quite so much a surprise, that, though, was it? Considering what we heard oh. a few weeks ago with the takeover and everything. But, oh, but go, going back on that, I, I was on the Wikipedia yesterday, just doing a bit of research for this, and I, I scrolled down to Angie. I was like, "My God!" <laughs> but I mean, the, what they would say. This is what I think makes it quite ridiculous. They said they wanted, um, they said they wanted to fill their squad with uh, Dagestani players, and yet, what have they actually filled the squad with? Um, still a fair number of foreigners, and uh, not. Um, not a strong core of Dagestani players in the first place. So I think it's just it's quite ridiculous what they're doing. Um, I mean, they've the players they've brought in are clearly n- not of the same quality as the ones they've they've shipped out. And I'm not saying I'd be worried about them um, in terms of staying up, but I just think it's a it's a quite mad thing to do. Um, but anyhow, it's it is Angie. We're used to their madness now, I guess. Um, but I'm I'm going to pick out one transfer that really stood out for me. Um, now we can look at we can debate the big clubs and the moves they made. But for me, the sign of a great transfer is not just how good the player is, but how much of an effect he can have over the team. Uh, and I pick out Eric Bickfalvi, um leaving Tom Tom's to join Ural. And that's not just because of my allegiance to Ural, but because the guy's got so much class, so much better than the standard we're used to seeing at Ural, that he really could be the difference between them being relegated or surviving. Um, and last night in the Russian Cup, 
he made his debut for Odell, scored twice in the most incredible comeback um, from 3-0 down, um, and he he saved that game for them. So if he can score twice against Krasnodar away, then who knows what he can do against Amkar at home, for example. So that's that was one that stood out for me, Eric McFalvey. Okay, lovely. And Toka, what's your take on the transfer businesses? Well, as Andrew mentioned, for me, the big stories were, of course, also the collapse of Andrew and, and some Tom's. But another interesting thing is is the dealings at the at the big clubs, because in my opinion, we have some very we have some very obvious winners. But in general, I think most of the big clubs this this winter have actually done pretty well. I think um, Senate, Lokomotiv, uh, Spartak, Siska, Krasnodar, they they all look stronger than when they went on winter break. The only team that have slightly disappointed me this window is, is Rostov, but I guess the fact that they just kept all the all the important players like Toboa and Asmund and Polos on the books is that's a victory in itself. I've I've been very impressed with the locomotive to be honest. They've gone a bit under the radar because Spartak have, have stolen the spotlight with all the signings of Samedov and 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 Selikov and all these guys and, and Senate with the big signings of Hanani, but Lokomotiv have actually done very, very well, and they've closed some of the gaps they had in the team, especially the signing of Ari on the last day of the transfer market. I was really impressed by that, because in the fall, one of the weak spots was definitely the attack. I mean, neither Skuletic nor Hinchy had anywhere, it was anywhere near the level of striker they needed, but bringing in a, a proven goal scorer like Ari, I think that has a lot of potential, and it is one of the best signings, in my opinion. Yeah, and Andrew, I know... Excuse me. I know you'll be a fan of this. It's not just about bringing players in; it's keeping players. And we mentioned Rostov there, and Smolov at Krasnodar staying. That that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. That was um, Krasnodar's. Uh, well, I wouldn't say necessarily. It, it, it is in the short term their best bit of business, but they've also done some great long term business too. Um, I think the, th- the thing about Smolov is it's one of those situations where we know he's we know he's leaving um, mo- almost certainly in the summer. Uh, and I think probably what was what was said was, look, unless we can get a, a replacement in for you, we don't want you to leave until the summer, but you'll have our blessing to go then. Um, but what I would say is that bringing in um, Victor Klassen has already stolen the headlines, scoring three in three competitive games already. But for me, Christian Ramirez stands out for Krasnodar. Um, I spoke to some Hungarian journalists uh, last week, two weeks, who saw him at Ferencvaros, where where he's he came from for 1.5 million euros, and they were full of praise for his ability on the ball, but they seem to suggest he's slightly more suspect um, defensively. But from what I've seen so far, his positional play is, is good, uh, his tackling is exceptionally clean, and he is such a danger going forwards. So you know, Kras and I have had not exactly the best. Uh, record with fullbacks in in recent months. You know they've let. Um, well, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but Arta, the Polish guy, <laughs> Jedrzejczyk. I can't. I, I haven't got it in front of me, so I can't help you out there. Let me just. Well, uh, well, Toka did spell it rather accurately in our pre-pod notes. <laughs> I, I, I noticed, but um, <laughs> but um, Arta, we'll call him, uh, has has gone back to Poland and leaving realistically. Uh, stand-in fullbacks. We've had um, uh, we we've had. Uh, sorry, my slipping. I'm looking at the wrong page here. What am I looking at? Um, <clears throat> Rowan Shishkin coming in. 
that's mm-hmm. that could be a good 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 deal too. Um, so yeah, I think Krasnodar have done extremely well, um, and hopefully, hopefully for them at least, they will progress in the Europa League. And I think possibly that's something we might touch on later, but. Um, I think they're very well set. And like Toke says, I agree, most of the top clubs have done very good business. Yeah, I was going to say about the Europa League, I was thinking with Krasnodar, we saw against Fenerbahce, who I was surprised they got past in all honesty, Krasnodar. We just saw how important Smolov is. But I want to move on from Smolov, but stick with Krasnodar. Now, Toke, the departures of Ari and Kouassia Bue for such a small fee were quite strange, I would think. Yes, I mean, I'm a bit worried about the depth of Krasnodar's squad because they're still in the Europa League. Luckily, they're still in the Russian Cup, where, the, where they oh, of course, they lost yesterday in the Russian Cup, uh, and they still compete for medals in the in the in the Premier League. So they have to play a lot. They're going to play a lot of games this this spring, and I think that that is worse than in the in the um, in the fall. I mean, they have sold Ibuy, Akhmadov, Ali, and Yitzhak, uh, um, and by only bringing in Shishkin, Ramirez, and Klassen, I think they are slightly weaker. Um, when looking at the depth in the squad, um, maybe the, the level of the team is a bit higher because I've, I, I've really been impressed with Klasner as well. But I, I'll, I'll be worried about how they fare at the end of the season, especially if they get a few injuries to, to some of the key players because they don't have a lot of options on the, on the bench anymore. Um, luckily, it looks like Mamayev is back from his injuries now. That's a, that's a huge improvement compared to the fall, but they really missed him. And uh, the way he links up with Smolov is, is just top class. So his his influence uh, cannot be underestimated. And, of course, that's a huge boost for them. Yeah, another one that sort of just caught my eye looking at the um, the transfers again is Rubin. So we saw them splash a lot of cash in the summer, but they've had a lot more outgoings and incomings this window, Andrew. Yeah, I think it was something that really had to happen. And uh, just the number of foreigners alone for the foreigners ruling, it was just, it was madness. They had, what, 15, 16 foreigners, I think, at, at one point in the summer. Um, and yeah, so Ruben, of all clubs, um, not actually signing anybody new is, is that's quite a revelation in the winter transfer window. But I think it's, I think it was a sensible, uh, a sensible thing to, to do. If they had managed to bring in somebody of enough quality. And of course, we were all expecting Alexei Marantrup to make the move, and I'm sure he may make the move in the summer. Um, but if you look at the players who who they've um, they've shipped out on loan, um, Solomon Kvikvelia wasn't getting any game time. Um, Piliavsky wasn't playing much. Bergstrom played a bit. Um, Samu Garcia just never really found his feet. Um, even Magomed Ozdoyev wasn't really playing enough. So I think they're sensible transfers to, to let go. But that was most to, of them... just sorry, Andrew, very sorry. very quickly there. The Ozdoyev one, that was very strange for me. Well, I, I don't think it was because he wasn't really playing a great deal. But to and, let him go um, to a t- to let him go to a rival, I think that's odd. Well, I'm, I'm not sure I would call Terek a rival. Rubin is struggling and Terek are challenging for Europe. And Ozdoyev wasn't getting game time. Personally, I would be playing him. But if they've determined that he's not their first choice and let him go on loan back to his native town, even um, of Grozny, I, I don't I don't think it was the worst tra- worst deal to, to to let happen. Although, like I say, if I was if I was in charge, I would be playing him, not just because of his nationality, but <laughs> because I think he um, I think I think he's a, a quality player. Um, and, you know, I want to see the best. I, want, I do want to see the best Russian players playing. Um, I don't agree with the foreigners' ruling, and you know that's something we've gone over so many times before on this pod. 
Russian football news bingo. <laughs> yes, we've got that one. We've got uh, Danish proverbs to come. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's odd in the sense that they're not playing him. But if they decide if they're not going to play him, I actually think it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, Chris Mavingo, another foreigner off the books now. Um, that was a, that's a good move too. Um, so. I mean, I'm a little surprised they didn't bring in one or two players, perhaps. Moranchuk was one I thought we all thought was going to happen. Um, but overall, I'd say it's a, it's a, it's a sensible overall bit of business because they're not going to, well, very unlikely to be able to qualify for Europa League through the league. The Russian Cup is their best option. Um, but other than that, I'd say stabilising their squad is more important than flooding it with, you know, in a big push to, to gain honours in the league. So I think overall, actually, pretty sensible. Yeah, Tucker, we mentioned Azdorov to Terek there, and Terek there got Berisha as well. So they've done some great business this window. Yeah, they look very solid. It's it's quite impressive because we know they are already on the fourth place. They're really, as Andrew said, they are fighting for European spots, and, and they look very good. So getting um, getting both Azdorov and Berisha, that's that's very impressive. Berisha was one of the best players last, last year. I believe he even made the RFN top 50. Uh, as the only Anji player, he was really the the star of Anji last year, and yeah, getting him that's that's just a brilliant signing, especially because Terek have often lacked a, a bit of creativity in in the offense. I mean, it is a team that's based on a really strong defense and a really tight uh, tactical structure, but getting in a player like Borussia, that's that that's a brilliant signing because he is the kind of player who can open up the the opponent's defense and create something on on his own. And then a strong midfielder like Ostriev, who can work both offensively and defensively. Pretty much every team can use him. Um, so, yeah, I think things look really good for Terry because he already had a solid foundation and adding two quality players like this. They are a serious contender now. They're not just overperforming. They are a serious contender, maybe even for medals. Okay, so there's quite the statement there. I want to look at the big clubs now. Um, just look at CSK. I know we didn't expect any action from them, really, Andrew, given the, the situation with the board and everything. But still a bit surprising that, you know, Alain Air coming in from Wang Zhao, I don't really know anything about him, to be honest, but nothing else major, really. Well, I think uh, I think we all realised that Cisco's squad was one of the one of the shallowest, uh, certainly at the business end of the league. But... If you, yeah, Olenair coming in, I think is a is a good move because his loan spell last summer, um, before his knee injury, was starting to look very promising. He's a he's a quick physical striker, so he offers an option. Um, he can actually play with the ball of his at his feet, unlike Lucina Traore. Um, so Bambi are nice, I think, as I call it. Yeah, Bambi are nice indeed. Yeah, well, Bambi's probably got more goal scoring in. <laughs> um, but no, I mean seriously, I I think Olenezo. I think it's a very very good signing because you don't at this stage you don't want an overpaid um, big name who you can't guarantee will fit in. He clearly likes it in in Russia. He's well valued here. Vitinho coming back from loan. Uh, I've not seen a great deal of Vitinho play to be honest. He spent what was it eighteen months on loan in Brazil. Um, but he was given a contract extension. Um, just the fact that he is valued again, valued by the club, and he he's coming back. He's he's still a young player. He's got something to prove. Um, suddenly, Cisco, I've got Olenair and Vitinho. Fyodor Chalov is coming through. He he scored against Ural, the bastard, um, before the winter break. But um, sorry if anyone was offended by that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I actually think they're they're not. 
they're not they're not looking too bad anymore. And I'd say one other thing to look at as well is Victor Vassin coming back. Um, now, for me, the interesting thing for CSKA in the second half of the season is how they're going to play under Victor Goncharenko. Um, you know, who of course was manager for Vassin at Ufa in the first half of the season. Um, I'm I'm just wondering whether he's going to try and play a three-man defence or five-man defence, however you look at it. Um, play it, it is the fashion now in Russia. Well, it it is, isn't it? And 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 Goncharenko is a proponent of that, and he's skillfully done that with more limited players at Ufa. No disrespect to them, but you you know they they're not the former champions of Russia. Um, I'm wondering whether Vasin might be played alongside Berutsutsky and Ignashevich, um, and that allows Mario Fernandez a bit more license to get forward, as we know he likes to. Um, and perhaps it might bring more stability to Tiska, um, allow Olenair and Vitinho to play as a, as a partnership. And because there aren't many midfielders left at Tiska, that also plays into the hands of, of the formation there. So I'm wondering whether we'll see a change of style. Um, but overall, yeah, pretty good window for Cisco. Yeah, Toker, I think you mentioned them earlier, but only briefly. Looking at Spartak, good business. I mean, the time is now for them, really, for this season, the title, isn't it? They've got to get, they've got to take their chance now. Oh, it definitely is. I, I believe it was the uh, locomotive uh, defender, Pasinovich, who said that if Spartak doesn't win this year, they have to wait. They can wait for many years before they win because this this really is the season for them because we know, first of all, they have been strong themselves. Uh, Carrera has done a, a fantastic job, but more importantly, neither spot, uh, neither Siska nor Senate look very good this season. I mean, they're both in the in the midst of the first first year with new managers. They are a bit shaky. They have their they have their collapses now and then, but they drop points uh, against uh, poor opponents. So this really is the season for Spartak because I I expect Siska and Senate to be much stronger next year when. When they have settled in the new roles, when the new managers have have a year at the club, um, and the tactics and the tactic foundation is is more solid. So, yeah, definitely this is a year for Spartak, and it's it's pretty obvious that they know that. I mean, signing uh, players like Samira, who's what thirty two, and uh, proven though, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Signing Luis Adriano, who's, who's uh, twenty nine, that's not players you sign if you aim at winning the league in say two or three years. I mean, that's players. You sign when you say, "Okay, this is our year. We have to win now." Um, so Spartak are definitely all in on this on this season, which is which is obvious, which is understandable. But on on a positive note, they it's not like they have forgotten that they also have to build for the future because they have also brought in some of the most interesting young Russian players as well, like Selikov, goalkeeper from Amkar. So it, it's an interesting mix between building for the future, building, preparing for the next uh, couple of seasons, as well as um, as well as simply going after the league full full on this this year, so yeah, I'm I'm very positive about Spartak, and I believe we have we have talked a lot about them having the possibly the strongest um, transfer window of all the clubs, especially of because they managed to keep on Quinter Promise. Yeah, I mean the thing is, you say is it being weak, but I would argue out of the Europa League now, in cruel circumstances to Anderlecht, obviously, that that would really give them a focus in the Premier League. I, I, we'll get up. We'll, sorry, sorry. I don't want to. I'm going to stop you there because we'll actually get onto this later in our league discussion. So I'll, that's a that's a, a fruit for you to take later. But Andrew, I want to do, do want to focus on Zenit here. Got all their business mm. done early. Yeah, um, I think reasonably decent business. Um, 
you, you can't you can't argue with the uh, pardon me with the signing of I mean Andre Junior is not a heralded name, but I don't think that's really what was what was necessary at this stage I unless somebody of world class ability was available, which I don't think was. Um, bringing in a, another Russian keeper was 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 fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but you know, there's um, there's a lot being made about. Hanani's slightly shaky debut in Belgium, um, where you know, okay, fair enough, it was it was a big occasion, and I thought actually he had reasonably good intent, but his passing was just a bit off. But this is first game of a new club in a in a new culture, and what I would say is Luchescu has, as we've mentioned before, a proven track record of bringing through developing Brazilian players at Shakhtar Donetsk, and I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will be able to guide Hanani sufficiently. I'm a big fan of Johan Molo as a signing, and I was really surprised when he wasn't included in the Europa League squad, but Robert Mack was was kept in the squad. I, I thought that was a very strange one, um, because I, I think Johan Molo is a game changer, and I think he could be very, very useful in the in the running, especially if Spartak trip up in one game and suddenly it becomes close for the title. Um, and then, of course, Branislav Ivanovic, a, a very, very good signing. Um, for me, I think it's what Zenit needed in defence. I mean, Thomas, you're, you're the Zenit man here. Um, you must be pretty pleased to have signed an experienced uh, quality defender like Ivanovic. Yeah, he's exactly... Um, he's, he's, sorry, I was going to say, it's just exactly what they need, really. I mean, you know, a bit of a weak spot in recent years, and he's the sort of player who bring a bit of solidity back there. I mean, do you, Thomas, do you see him being played as a centre-back or as a full-back like we saw him in the Europa League game? Um, it's a good question, really. I mean, obviously you can play both, but I, I personally would put him at centre half, personally. Yeah, just uh, me too. I, I absolutely would too. Because you, because you've got decent fullbacks already, so why bother, sort of trying to mess around with that sort of fullback with Smolnikov, Krishito, when you've got a, a hole in the middle of the defence, really? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but I mean, you, you make you make a good point, Tom. Certainly, have done their business um, without being in a panic. They filled most of the positions, or probably all, I would say, if you count Ivanovic as a centre back. I'm hoping that's what they intend for him. But I, I'd say it's good business by Zenit. Um, you know, a lot was made of the race against Spartak to sign the best young Russian players, but I don't think that really matters overall. Um, I think as long as they fill the positions they need to, which I think they have, I think that's the main thing. So, um, yeah, I think well done, Zenit. Yeah, I mean, Toko, what would you make of Zenit's business? Well, it's difficult to disagree with what Andrew just said. It's It's been very solid. Not, not spectacular, but they have brought in some some good players and and filled the gaps. I am a bit surprised about signing Luniev because, in my opinion, he doesn't really offer any more than Lodekin or or Kreshikov did. And the problems in the goalkeeping position has been so so big at the club. It it has really been catastrophic at at times for them. So, in my opinion, they needed someone. Um, they they actually they needed a better goalkeeper with a with a bigger potential with a higher level. From day one, not someone who, um, not someone they can develop over time because Lodigan has cost them a lot of points, a lot of defeats, a lot of unnecessary goals and frustration and everything. And I think they should have brought in someone better, someone more experienced. I'm not against the signing of Lunyu, but I'm against the signing of him as the only goalkeeper. Um, of course, we do know that Lodigan has a has a potential that he used to be a good goalkeeper, but 
I, I just don't believe in him anymore. I don't believe in him at the at this level. So I think Senna should have signed someone better to to take over from Lundgren immediately. Okay, I want to move on to sort of fun signings, if you like. Now, Chleb to Krilia Sovietovic is a good one in that, Andrew. Alexander Chleb, of course, we were talking about. The old yeah, Barcelona, Arsenal, Birmingham City, of course. <laughs> I thought that was going good. Yeah, no, to be fair to the, to, to be fair to him, okay, he's 35. He's not obviously, obviously saving the obvious. He's not going to be a long-term uh, signing. But I, I think it's not, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. I mean, we saw there was one Russian journalist who tried to claim he was replacing Joran Molo, which is, quite ridiculous because completely different player but um i think you know i i've made this point before i think when you've got a club who is you know in the lower reaches of the table you know the temptation is to buy fairly solid efficient professional players but i think you you need at least one or two really quality playmakers as well to release the pressure if you're backed against the wall you're not going to have much possession against the big guys um or even against your relegation rivals but you don't you there's no sort of there's no sense of how to expand once you've won possession back um i think somebody like with the vision of somebody like alexander Kleb is is a very very useful transfer to make so uh, how useful he actually will be, how he'll settle in in such a short time, I don't know. But, um, you know, he's got his fellow Belarusian manager, the backstabbing... Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to say... He who, must, he who must not be named. <laughs> he who must not be named, you'll say, Mr. Skripchenko. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a little extra factor that might help. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think it's... I know not everybody's a fan of the signing, but I think it might potentially be a very useful one for them, uh, even if it's just all summer. Yeah, I mean, the thing I would say, but I mean, coming from my Birmingham City perspective, all he did at Birmingham was sit and complain the whole time. So I just hope that he doesn't do that at Krilia, because that would just be a disaster, obviously. I mean, Toka, what's your take on the Kleb to Krilia situation? That's a good question. I mean, I'm I'm a bit split on this transfer, because obviously... I remember Kleb as a, as, a, as a great player for Arsenal, but that's 10 years ago. And when looking at his, at his statistics, he hasn't really played ever since he left Stuttgart in 2010. He did play a couple of games for, for Birmingham. He did play a couple of games for for Bader Borisov. But signing a, a 35-year-old player who hasn't performed in, in almost... He's almost 36, actually. And he hasn't really performed for, for almost a decade. I just, I just don't see the point. I mean, it's... It's funny. It's funny when you play football manager and you sign Ronaldinho for some <laughs> obscure team, but in real life, I just don't. I just don't see the point, to be honest. In my opinion, Kleb is far too old to to make any any sort of impact. I hope I'm wrong, but I just I just can't see this be beneficial for Kliyshevich. So I'm afraid it will just steal a lot of focus from them to have a former star like him running around. Okay. Uh, the other one is Jefferson Farfan. So who who's got? I mean, coming from you know. Al Jazeera, not the TV station, obviously, but the club. I mean, that that's an odd one there, Andrew. To yeah, I think um, I, I think my my instinct is that he's been signed. I do think he I do think he will be good um, because he's a quality player, and he's, he may have lost his pace from what he had, you know, five ten years ago. But I get the suspicion he's signed because of his name as much as anything else. Um, and I, I, I want him to do well too because, you know, like we mentioned, Locomotive have already made some some very good signings and, you know, a club like that really ought to be challenging 
Um, and I'd like to see a, a well-established club like Locomotive challenge for Europe um, and, and actually make something of it. Farfan, quite how long he intends to stay or how long the club intend him to stay, uh, I don't know. But, you know, it's another recognisable name, even if the very worst that happens is that a bit more attention is on the Russian league. Um, the fans pay a little bit more attention because they think, oh, I remember him for Schalke, for example. Um, it, maybe even that is worth something. Uh, on the pitch itself, uh, well, having signed Ari on loan, and uh, as far as I understand, they actually paid a, a loan fee to Krasnodar for him, so they must be intending him, I mean, being a first-choice starter. Um, will they play Farfan and Ari together? Um, interesting to see how that goes, because neither of them are spring chickens anymore. But um, um, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm open to it being a successful transfer. But uh, why it was made in the first place, I, I'm not so sure it was for much more than his name. Yeah, we mentioned football manager earlier. I've just got to get this in there. I signed Jefferson Farfan on a Newcastle United save a few years ago, and I won the title with him in the team. So that's my memory of Jefferson Farfan. Now I want to sort there of we go. Go, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I just want to sort of move on to sort of best and worst signings with thinking here, Toka. So what? Give give me one or two in each category in terms of players, and then perhaps clubs as well who you think have done good or bad business. Well, I, I've mentioned him before. I think Ari was really a good signing for Locomotive because he just he fills a gap that was such a huge problem for them in the in the in the fall. So I, I think Ari he might not be the biggest name, he might not be the one who performs best in the, in the spring, but he's just the player they they really really needed him and need a player like him. So I for me he's a he's a standout signing. Right. And uh, regarding the worst the worst signings, I. I can't shake the feeling that for fans is going to be a flop. I know Locomotive they they did um, they were cautious with this this deal. They gave him only a short contract with an option to extend it and everything. But he's been so injured lately. He coming from a uh, from two years in the Middle East. I just I don't even know if if he's motivated anymore. He's thirty two years old. It's he really has to convince me because right now it looks like a lot of money spent on on a very risky business and. As Andrew said, I think Locomotive's new sports director, Stoffelshaus, he looks like a guy who loves his big names. He looks like a guy who plays a bit too much football manager. I mean, he also tried to sign Stephen Cogger. And yeah, that was a weird. Went, I remember that. There was a picture on Instagram that, of the medical if, and everything. If that went through, that would have been a disaster, literally a disaster. So hopefully he'll <laughs> he has learned his lesson now and it will be better in the summer. But yeah, I think uh, for fun will, will be a flop. I think that's harsh on Corker, but that's a whole different debate. Andrew, what about you? Well, I mean, I like I mentioned earlier, for pers- slightly personal reasons, um, I do think Eric McFalvey will turn out to be um, one of the signings to have the most effect on his new team, certainly. Um, you know, they, I don't disagree at all with what Toker said. I think Ari is a, a very, very good sign for Locomotive. I'm slightly surprised that, that Krasnodar let him go. Um, even if it is on loan. But Eric McFarlane, for me, stands out simply because it's, um, you know, there's been a slight creative void in Odal's midfield, um, to state the least. Um, Ed- Edgar Manacharian has come back from, from Thailand, of all places, after a disastrous free transfer there. But he's um, he is about, the, he's even slower than... than um, 
Well, he's, he's just the slowest player there is. He's a very quality player. But he's, he's even slower and lazier looking than Dimitar Berbatov um, at United. And he frustrated me no end. But Big Falvey can change a game. He can really influence the entire performance of the team. Um, we saw that for Tom in the first part of the season. Um, okay, being top goal scorer of only three isn't much, but to score at all for a team like Tom is quite an achievement. Um, and coming in, he's already made an impact in his very first game uh, in the Russian Cup last night. So uh, Eric Bifalvi stands out for me. And in terms of uh, flop, well, it's going to sound a bit harsh, this, but I'm actually going to say Dmitry Loskov being registered as a player at Lokomotiv. Um, you know, we've um, we debated this offline before. And it seems like he's being brought back you know, according to the club at least, to have one last goodbye for the fans. But to me, it's all a bit sad, really. You know, a, a former player that late into his career, to put him in the context of playing in a competitive game, even if it's the end of a season, it's the last 20 minutes of a game, it's a sad way to remember him. I think, if anything, it should be a testimonial for him. Um, and I'm just worried it's going to turn into a circus of some locomotive fans getting very nostalgic and expect, starting to expect something from him. I don't know, but I think it's I just think it's the wrong way to appreciate a, a, a legend's career. So unfortunately, I'm I'm a bit concerned how that one's going to go. Yeah, it goes back to that thing about Stoffel's house with the big names, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. It ties into that certainly. Uh, it does. There really isn't any genuine benefits in the playing sense. I mean, I'm not trying to be harsh, but Loskov knows himself. He's 42. He's, he's yeah. not He's not, He's not. not going to do any more than 20, 30 minutes just because he physically won't manage that. And it's not, it's not his fault. It's, you know, he's not been a player for four or five years. So, um, But yeah, I think so. I, I, I hope, however it is managed, it's managed well and the expectation is not built up and it, not, not a circus made of it, but just a really good bit of appreciation You know, when he's substituted off in the last game, something like that. Yeah, I, I was going to go with Kleb as my flop, to be honest, because I, like, I'm a bit biased as a Birmingham fan, obviously. But you've convinced me there, so I'm going to go with Loskov. But as my sort of my my best signing, I think I'm going to go with Berisha. I think that's a really good move, really nice move to get him on, you know, take advantage of the situation at Angie and bring him in to, to uh, Terek was fantastic. Now, sort of linking on to that, obviously we'll go back to the transfers in this discussion. We're going to discuss how we think the table will end up, which of course means getting our you know, crystal balls. I made that one already, that gaff a few weeks ago, but I'm just going to say it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're getting them out and it means we'll all look very foolish at the end of the season. So, Toka, what's your take on, let's go with the title first of all. Do you, do you think Spartak can do it? Yeah, I have to, I have to say Spartak. It, it, it just looks like they're year this, this season. It would be classic Spartak to if they fail miserably and throw away the championship on the last round. But right now, it, it is Spartak's to uh, to lose, so I, I have to go with them. And um, what about you, Andrew? Well, yes, I think it's very difficult to look past Spartak too. And um, their their gap of five points is 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 a good gap with only thirteen games to go. Zeni realistically are the only side likely to catch them, although. The only thing I would say is this opening weekend of the season could actually be very, very interesting in how the title race goes because, um, of course, Spartak travelled to Krasnodar and I know, you know, 
Oral getting a result in the cup was a was a real shock, but it doesn't change the fact Krasnodar is still a quality side with some ludicrously good attacking especially, players, especially at home. Yeah, at home as well. Um, at home to Sparta, there's no reason why Krasnodar couldn't get a result there, uh, and and the same note, there's no reason why Zenita Theory couldn't beat. CSKA, they have a much stronger squad. I know it's away in Moscow, but if those two results happen, suddenly there's only a two-point gap and the nerves will be in Spartak's camp. The momentum will start to build with Zenit. It's not a foregone conclusion, but what I actually expect to happen, I do think Spartak will win the title. I do, because they've made, not only do they have the advantage, but they've, they've made the most impressive reinforcements, certainly at the business end of the table. Um, so honestly, I, I'd like to try and be different, but I, my my instinct is they will they will they will win with say a game to spare. Well, I am going but, to be different. Oh, go on, Toka. Yeah, let's not forget the comeback. This could be a couple of years ago, I believe. Was it twelve points down at the at the winter break? Yeah, in November or something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's way too early to 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 settle anything because yeah, as Andrew said, the the gap between Spartak and and Center could be down to to two points after this weekend, so we still have 13 games left to play, and even Siska, they're only eight points behind. It's it's not impossible, especially that if they beat Senate in the opening week, then it's it's suddenly very close again. So I think we're in for an interesting um, interesting end to the season. I'm I'm gonna go with it Zenit. should be close. I'm gonna go with Zenit. I think championship winning experience, Luchesco as well, obviously a championship winning manager. I think, like you said, if that if the results go right this weekend, two point gap, and also Zenit out of the Europa League now, which will means they're focused on the league. So I'm I'm going to go with Zenit there, and you're not allowed to come back on that because we're moving down to the European places already. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew, what what are we thinking here? It's it's looking really close there. Well, yeah, for for European places here, I think. I think the actual makeup of the teams is not too difficult to get the Champions League places. I think it's going to be Zenit and Spartak are the top two for me. Um, uh, in terms of Europa League third and fourth place, I think because Siska brought in some attacking options, I think that's that's done enough to secure them one of those places. Um, Krasnodar against Terek for for fourth place. I know Amkar are only one point behind, but I think they'll massively overachieving and they've actually not had the best transfer window um, losing Selikov and Jikia so I don't expect them to continue a challenge. I suppose Rostov are only three points behind, they could um, but I you know they've got some European games to come so for me it's between Tarek and Krasnodar and it's very very close. I, I think in the end I actually do think Krasnodar will just, just about make it into fourth place um, because they have just that little bit more quality, in my opinion. Berisha is a great signing, and that's a very good shout, Tom's first signing as well. I, I mean, we're a massive fan of Berisha at Russian Football News, and I'm certainly one of them. Um, but I just think I think Krasnodar have got just just enough, basically. So I, I see it finishing as Spartak, Zeni, Tiska, Krasnodar, the top four. Um, it might sound harsh on Terek, and in a way, I want them to because. It's you know they've been so long they've threatened but not quite had enough to get over the line, um, but I think Krasnodar will just fit them to the fourth place. Yeah, I mean personally, it'd be great for Russian football if it was Krasnodar and Terek and CSKA missed out. But, but that's my that's my feeling. But Toko, what do you think on this? 
the the current top four five look pretty realistic. Um, I think Krasnodar will will steal the the fourth place from Terek, but I think we still have to remember that the league is actually pretty close. I mean, Lokomotiv on the on the tenth place, they're only five points behind um, Terek, so even they could come up and challenge for the for the European spots. And as I said, I I have been really impressed by the window transfers this um this window, so. I wouldn't be surprised if they come up, climb up the table, and actually challenge for for European football through the league as well. Um, but when that's said, they have to they have to um, climb past a lot of good teams like Rubin and Rostov, Amka. So I I have to go. Cisco will win the bronze medals, uh, get the top spot for the Europa League, and then Krasnodar the fourth, Terek fifth. And Turk, they can't go into the Europa League with the fifth place, just depending on who wins the cup. So, yeah, that that that's my guess. So sorry, what was that order again? I sort of lost track of it there. Uh, Sis, Siska third, Krasnodar fourth, and and Turk fifth. I, I don't I don't think Rostov can qualify through the league. I think the focus on the Europa League will be will be too much to handle, especially if if they do the impossible and beat United. But and yeah, then considering the performances in the league, it's looked like. Looks a bit like the other teams have read them now that they can't really surprise anyone anymore. And that's also why they've struggled a bit this season. Yeah, it's funny how they sort of surprise everyone in the Europa League with what they did last season, but the Russian league knows what they're doing now. Bit of a strange one, that. Um, but, I mean, similar to Andrew there, you don't give Amkar much of a chance. No, it's, we have seen this from Amkar before. They performed very well in the first half of the season and the second half of the season they sort of fizzle out. And... That was even when they kept their good players. This season, they've lost some of their key players. And, yeah, I expect them to probably finish somewhere around 10th, which is still it's still a good performance for them, but they, they won't finish in the top six where they are right now. That's that's for sure. Okay, Andrew, let's move on to the, the bottom of the table now. Who, who we, I mean, Tom, Tom Tom's good, pretty much dead and buried, I think. Bottom of the table, and of course, that whole situation that happened in the window this time around. Who, who do you think will yeah, join them? Tom- well, I mean, uh, Tom, 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 Tom's good and nailed on. They're about as much of a certainty as there is in Russian football at the moment to go down. Um, I don't think any Tom fans would really dispute that at this point. Um, so they're certainly going to go down. Uh, Arsenal, Tula, Orenburg and Ural, the other three in the relegation places. Arsenal, Tula, um, I think have actually made some good signings. Vladimir Gabalov in goal, for example, that's a good. That's a good signing for them. And they've struggled massively, massively with scoring. Only six goals scored all season. I mean, that is just that's that's quite astonishing. How you could be, how you could fail to score so even terrible, one every other game. Um, but you know what I would say is they they brought in some good players. Musa Dumbia on loan, um, Stopila Sunzu, ex Afcon African Cup of Nations winner. Um, I don't know much about this Federico Rasic that they've signed, but you know if he's come all the way from Argentina, perhaps there's you know he's got a bit of talent about him. Um, uh, bringing Kirill Komarov, uh, another good signing. Um, I I think I think Arsenal will. Um, escape the automatic places. I think Orenburg are going to join Tom Tom's in automatic relegation. Um, now I've got to be careful here because I'm I, I don't want to be too biased towards Ural, but I actually really do think that the the signings they've made, Alexander Lomakin as well, another really good player from the the lower leagues. He's you know he did his time. He's he became 
uh, well, he was a youth product at Locomotives Academy. He went down to the second tier for first team football. He wasn't happy to just sit around and fester. Um, even had a spell in Portugal, came back to the Feniel, and now he's earned his right into the Premier League. And um, our, our writer, Joel Amarin, is a big, big fan of his. Um, I think I think Odal are going to have enough to just get out of the relegation playoff places. Um, in their place, though, the only other team, realistically and mathematically at this point, I think, is is Krilia. So, for me, it's a toss-up between Odal and Krilia for 13th place. Um, I, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to say Odal will, will sneak out, but um, they don't have many teams they can catch. So, it's uh, it's looking like that. So, Tom Tomsk, Orenberg, automatic relegation. Arsenal, Krilia, relegation playoffs and Odal to escape. Okay, and Toko, what's your take on this? I agree regarding uh, Orenberg and Tom Tomsk. I, there's no really doubt about Tom Tomsk going down. I think uh, Ural are too strong to finish on the relegation spots. I think Anshu will actually do that. Right now, they're six points ahead of um, ahead of Ural, but we talked about the chaos at the club. We talked about all the new signings. I expect them to lose, maybe not every single game, but they something like but that. But this is—I really was going to come to this. Sorry, Toko. I was going to say it's. That cushion they built at the start of the season could save them. That's my thinking, anyway. It, yeah, that's... It'll be the other teams around them that are worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's true, and that's that's their luck, actually. But it, it just looks so difficult for them. They have the entire new squad. They have to spend ages trying to to get them to play together as a team. It was similar to what we saw with Dynamo Moscow when they went down. It just takes time to build a team. You can't just put 20 new players together and, and expect results to, to come from day one. So. And if, if teams below Anji accumulate a few points, I mean they have obviously they have to to win some games to close the gap. But if they do that, I think Anji will finish on the on the relegation uh, playoff spot at least. That's that's my prediction. Probably together with um, with Arsenal Tula. So who you said Orenberg um, and Tom down automatically? Yeah, exactly. So you, so you're not and, tipping and then uh, Arsenal and Anji on the playoff. So you think Krillier will make it out of there? I think they will make it out because the other teams are worse, not because they are not because they are better than any teams, but because other teams will perform much worse than they do because they have lost model this uh, this winter and it's not like they have an excellent team or anything, but they they're just they're the best of the worst, I guess. Okay, so I think that pretty much brings the end of the uh, the podcast for this edition. I hope you enjoyed it. So we'll see if our predictions come true come the end of the season, both in sort of transfer highs and fails if you like and also the teams getting relegated and of course whether Spartak or Zenit will win the title so again it just leaves me to thank as per usual Toka Thiele it's always a pleasure Thomas good stuff and Andrew Flint and quick question Andrew the predictions league what's going on there with the, with the season recommencing yes soon? yes I, I did want to just briefly mention that as we're mentioning this um Predictions League up today. I'll post a little video where, guys, as usual, if you remember from the first part of the season, just need to post your predictions under that. Um, that's up and running. We also have the Europa League predictions going for the Russian clubs. It's only just a bit of fun, that one, really. But keep your eyes peeled today on the Facebook page and uh, and get your predictions up on there. Um, I actually think this week is going to be quite a tough one for predictions with the fixtures that we've got. Um, so anyway, good luck, guys. and uh, Keep your eyes peeled and we'll see how that one goes. OK, perfect. So, um, of course, all the usual platforms that are at RussianFootballNews.com 
at Rush Football News on Twitter, and then just search Russian Football News on Facebook. And of course, Andrew mentioned there's quite a lot of stuff going on there in the next couple of days. Um, again, subscribe to this podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, just search Russian Football News. I'm sure we'll come up somehow. Uh, but again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Идет футбольный матч, летит над полем мяч.